the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. While many in our society and culture would want to make it about choice, at the end of the day, when it comes to pro-life or pro-choice, it's really about pro-life. Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner, coming up next. From time to time, the church will remind itself of the sanctity of life. Who authors life? Is it valuable? Is it important to the one who's authored it? And today, we recognize that moment in the church's history. We're in Psalm 139, looking at the personhood and the fact that it is, from conception, according to God. This is Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Join us here in Psalm 139 as we take a look at the sanctity of life. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner now with today's program. This is David's great confession of sin and adultery with Bathsheba. And he says in verse 5, and this is not as an excuse for his sin, but confessing that it is part of his problem, he says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Now, I will concede that the American Standard Bible could imply that there was something sinful about David's conception though it would have to be an idea that's superimposed on the text. Because the Bible tells us that was not the case at all. Here is a more accurate translation of the text from the NIV of all places. It says, Surely I have been a sinner from birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Now that verse says a lot of things. First of all, it refutes the idea that you become a sinner at the age of accountability when you knowingly commit your first sin, because you know somehow the difference between good and evil. Here it says that you committed your first sin after you were born because you were born as a sinner. But not only were you born with a sinful nature that you inherited all the way back through your parents and grandparents to Adam and Eve, who were our representatives, which we, of course, learned from Romans 5.12 and following. But Psalm 51 says that I was sinful from the time my mother conceived me. From the second I was conceived, I was a human being, and I was a sinful human being in need of the saving grace of God. Now, what's the argument here? The argument is that a human being is a sinner from conception. His nature is corrupted from conception that he inherited all the way back from Adam. And what I want you to notice is simply this. Only human beings can sin. Stay with me here. No animal can sin. No matter how prolific your male rabbit is with however many females he has been with, he's never committed adultery. And no matter how many chickens a fox has ripped the throat out of, he has never committed murder. Subhuman, less than human creatures, such as a simple glob of cells, 
cannot sin. But David was sinful from the moment his mother conceived him, which means because of this continuity of sinfulness, from the moment he was conceived throughout adulthood, David was a human being from conception throughout adulthood. Because only human beings and angels can sin against God. Fourth strand of argument. The Bible identifies a continuity of human experiences from conception through adulthood. Although we may often contribute human emotions and experience to subhuman creatures out of sentimental attachment to them, there are joys and experiences that are absolutely unique to human beings. I may step on some toes here, forgive me. You may love your cat, but your cat does not love you. I'm sorry. You may have joy over your cat, but your cat knows the hand that feeds him and strokes him. He knows how to manipulate you and to use you and to make you think he loves you. But you see, you're really his pet. Now the point is this. There are some emotions and experiences that only human beings can enjoy. Turn with me to Psalm 22. And notice once again, David talking about his birth in his mother's womb. In verse 9 of Psalm 22, David says, Yet thou art he that didst bring me forth from the womb. Thou didst make me trust you when upon my mother's breast. And trust here, beloved, is a word for faith. He is claiming he was a believer when he was a newborn nursing baby. You say, how in the world can that be? I don't know. But it says it right here in God's breathed word. Verse 10, here it is. Upon thee I was cast from birth. Thou hast been my God from my mother's womb. In the book of Proverbs, when someone called God, my God, that indicates personal fellowship with God, union and communion with Him. And David said, I was enjoying fellowship and union and communion with the living God while I was still in my mother's womb. No subhuman can have such an experience. No unregenerated person can have such an experience. So here David says, I was regenerate, enjoying fellowship with God in my mother's womb, and that is an experience only human beings can enjoy. Luke chapter 1, verse 15. The highest blessing that a human being can experience in their life is to be regenerated, to be born again, filled with God's Spirit so that God Himself comes into His life. And notice what the text says about John the Baptist. An angel prophesies to Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist, about the coming birth of John the Baptist. And the angel says, He will be great in the sight of the Lord and will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb. Only human beings experience this great, regenerating, sanctifying filling of the Holy Spirit, which means that John the Baptist was a human being in his mother's womb. Then in Luke 144, 
we see again the unborn John the Baptist, who at the announcement of the conception of the Messiah by pregnant Mary experiences joy. It says concerning John, For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, Elizabeth, the baby leaped for joy in my womb. So, here you have three passages of Scripture. One says David experienced fellowship with God in his mother's womb. Another says John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Spirit in his mother's womb. And another says when the message of the Messiah's conception had reached the ears of Elizabeth, John leaped for joy in his mother's womb. So you have joy at the gospel of the Messiah. Joy that results from the filling of the Holy Spirit. Joy that results from fellowship with God is only experienced by human beings made in the image of God. And these were experienced by babies in their mother's womb. There was a continuity in the scripture of experiences and joys and emotions from conception throughout adulthood. And so may I say to you ladies who are pregnant or may find yourself in such a condition in the future, that the preaching of God's word can have an impact on your unborn baby. Just as John the Baptist leaped in Elizabeth's womb when the message of the gospel, as it was, reached her ears. And so when you ladies are expecting, as much as you can, try to be here to hear the sermon. Because preaching can affect unborn babies. Fifth line of argument. The Bible describes conception as a precious gift and a work of God. One thing that we as Christians understand as over and against all humanists is that conception is never a mere human happening. If all you have is a mother and father, a, a husband and a wife making love, you will never conceive a child. If there is only these two persons involved, there will never be a baby conceived in a woman's womb. Ever. There must be three persons involved. The husband, the wife, and our living God. The Bible emphasizes the sovereign activity of God in conception. Because apart from the sovereign intervention of God, conception does not take place and can never take place. It is written concerning Sarah, Abraham's wife, that, quote, the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised, which means he caused her to conceive. In Genesis 20, Jacob rebukes Rachel for her complaint against him for their childlessness. And he says, am I in the place of God who is withheld from, your, from you the fruit of the womb? In 1 Samuel 1.19, we find Hannah. The mother of Samuel conceiving for one reason, quote, the Lord remembered her. Job again confesses in chapter 33 that the Spirit of God has made me and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. In other words, it is for these reasons that the Psalms declare, as Psalm 100, it is God who has made us and not we ourselves. Or as Psalm 127 says, children are a gift of the Lord and the fruit of the womb is a reward. So why is it that we believe that human life begins at conception? 
because it is God who causes conception in the mother's womb. And in light of these verses that we've examined so far, we must agree with the statement of the PCA USA back in 1918 at their General Assembly. It's too bad they don't believe this today. It would be a willful act of defiance against the Creator intentionally to kill an unborn child whose conception is so intimately a divine as well as a human act. Now there's one more line of argument that God gives us to prove that life begins at conception and that is an actual law of God in the Bible. And it identifies abortion as a capital crime. Now, I dare say that most Christians don't even know this law exists, but there is a law in the Bible that deals with abortion and defines it as a crime deserving of death. We find it in Exodus 21. Now, if you are a pro-lifer here today, and you believe that the case laws of the Old Testament are no longer applicable to the modern world, then you have just thrown it away the one and only law in the Bible that deals specifically with abortion. Exodus 21, 22 through 25 from the King James. If men strive and hurt a woman with child so that her fruit depart from her, and that word depart actually means gives a normal birth. It's not a, a uh, child that's uh, uh, born dead. And yet no mischief follow, no harm follow, He shall be surely punished according as the woman's husband will lay upon him, and he shall pay as the judges determine. And if any mischief follow or hurt, such as the mother or the child die, then thou shalt give life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. Now, I'm not going to take the time to fully explain this law, except that it calls for the death penalty, for the accidental killing of an unborn child. Now, if you want this law totally deciphered for you and for me to show you exactly what it's telling us in the Hebrew, just come up afterwards. I've got it all right here. I'm just not going to spend the time today to read it to you, and I will send you this via email. But understand, and I'll submit this to you, brethren, if an accidental abortion is so heinous in the sight of God that it deserves the death penalty, how much more heinous is deliberate abortion? The Bible says that God hates hands that shed innocent blood. He not only hates the shedding of innocent blood, He hates the hands that shed innocent blood. He hates abortion and He hates abortionists. Deliberate abortion is murder. And those who commit it should be arrested and if found guilty in a court of law, swiftly executed. But you see, abortion is not only murder. It is a conspiracy to commit murder. And therefore, everyone involved in the act, from the doctors and the nurses to the escorts, to the person who knowingly drove the woman to the clinic, to those who paid for it or donated money to the clinic, as well as the woman who willingly had the abortion, are conspirators in murder. And a conspiracy to commit murder is a capital crime. Everyone who has had a hand in the killing of that human being, yet unborn, should be arrested and if found guilty, executed for murder. I personally believe 
one of the reasons the pro-life movement has failed to date, to put an end to baby killing after spending millions of dollars and millions of man hours. And this is only one reason is because it is never called consistently and forthrightly for the death of abortionists and all those who conspire to commit abortion. After all, we don't want to come across as unloving, even while babies are being cut up in their mother's womb. But I ask you, is it any different than when that baby's born and you cut it up and you put it in the trash can? I just gave you six arguments from Scripture from God himself that tells you at conception you have a human being. You tell me the difference. There is none. There you have the six lines of argument from the Bible that say human life begins at conception. It presents us with a continuity of personhood from conception throughout adulthood. It, it presents a continuity of sinfulness from conception throughout adulthood. A continuity of distinct and unique human experiences from conception throughout adulthood. Conception results from the intervention of God himself so that children are to be seen as a gift from God from conception to birth. The law of God specifically identifies abortion as a capital crime. And in Job, we are told directly that life begins at conception. I want to spend the last few moments indicating some things that you and I can do to be used of God to bring abortion to an end in America today. First, don't use the weapons of this world. Use the divinely empowered weapons that God has placed in our hands that are guaranteed to stop abortion. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 says, Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful weapons for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And we are ready to punish all disobedience whenever your obedience is complete. Now, what are the divinely empowered weapons that are all you need to fight this battle? Well, of course, we see it in Scripture in such places as Ephesians 6 and the Christian armor, where the believer is given a helmet, and he's given a press, breastplate and a shield, and he's given only two weapons. He has all the armor protecting him, but only two weapons are put into his hands. One is the Word of God. And the second is prayer. These are the two weapons that the Christian soldier needs as he fights the enemy. You know, God told Ezekiel, I've got a task for you. You see that valley of bones? They've been dead a long time. In fact, they're so white, brightened by the sun. I want you to raise those bones to a mighty living army of flesh and blood. And Ezekiel raised a mighty army. How did he do it? Very simple. He talked to the bones about God, and he, then he talked to God about the bones, and the bones came alive. He spoke the word of God to the dead bones, and then he prayed that God would bring the dead bones to life. The word of God and prayer. 
Those are the divinely empowered weapons that God has placed in our hands by which we can bring down every fortress in this country that is raised against the living God, including abortion. As we teach our children to understand and respect the sanctity of human life, the beauty and the joy of marital sexuality, as we teach them about family from a biblical perspective, as we bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, as we influence our neighbors and teach them the truths about abortion, as we Christianize Christians by teaching them about the blood on the land and what God says about conception being from the beginning of human life. Conception being the beginning of human life. As we use the word of God, God promises to divinely empower that witness and that testimony to bring to naught the plans of his enemies. God has promised to use our testimony against abortion to stop it. And as we earnestly and believingly pray that God would bring the Holocaust to an end, Use God's divinely empowered weapons, beloved. Pray against abortion clinics. Pray for women with unwanted pregnancies. Teach your children and influence everyone you care about with what the sanctity of life is and what abortion is. And beloved, do not ever vote for a candidate for any political office who believes in abortion, even if he believes in abortion only in the case of rape and incest. That means he only believes in murdering a few babies. No matter what else a man believes, I will not vote for a man who believes in murdering babies for any reason. Call our civil authorities into account and remind them that if we continue to flippantly abuse the law of God, we will reap what we sow. Stand with Dr. Binaldi. Once a month, for two hours in the front of a killing center in San Jose until God abolishes that clinic. You know, there are between 65 and 75 people in attendance here almost every Sunday. Can you imagine the commotion that we would bring if every one of us showed up for even a part of the time in front of that clinic? Beloved, if the Christian church took seriously the sanctity of human life and showed up regularly at these clinics praying, God will honor His promise to answer your prayers. And just like Jericho, the walls of those humanistic temples will come tumbling down. And last, but certainly not least, put your dollars into organizations such as Foundations for Life. And my beloved brother and sister, Walter and Lori Hoy, who have dedicated their lives at great cost to their time, their comfort, and livelihood for the protection of the unborn. They are playing a very active role locally and nationally in waking up Christian communities to the responsibility of ending the genocide of the unborn and deserve our support. Now, most of you know, I very, very rarely recommend the support of any organization because so many of them are a lot of talk and little action. Not so with Walter and Lori. They are all action. So I plead with you today to pledge after our time together 10 
20 $50 if you can, a month to Foundations for Life, so they can continue to tirelessly work on behalf of the unborn human life, and not to have to concern themselves month to month as to whether they can financially continue. Because if they can't, the Sanctity of Life movement will lose two very brave, hard-working soldiers. The blood of the unborn continues to rise in our land. And if we do not put forth our time, our energy, and our finances to cleanse our soil, we cannot expect God to bless us in any of our efforts to put a stop to the tyranny of a human estate in America. I will guarantee you, will be soon cast by God under the rubbish heap of nations that sought their own comfort and financial security above human life. May God have mercy on us. Well, this has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. As we have closed out our time together today, I would remind you that our desire is to know how this program encourages you in Christ. Now, there are a couple of three ways that you can contact us to provide us with this information. And again, it would really encourage us a great deal if you'd take a moment and let us know how the program is encouraging you in your walk and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's how to contact us. Phone number is 408 866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. Our website, where you can drop us an email and even learn a bit more about us, is reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, you can write to us at PMB, that stands for Post Mailbox, number 402, 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Now, there is another way you can contact us, and this would be the best of all, especially if you're not involved in a church at this time. Plan on visiting. Let us uh, fellowship face-to-face, as it were. We meet at Lone Hill Church, 2 in the afternoon on Sundays at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org, or by calling 408-866-5607. By the way, copies of the broadcast are just $5. Mention today's date when you contact us, and we'll get a CD out to you right away. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, God bless. (music) 